Hi, I'm Sam Vokes at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. In the next hour, and not even in this order, uh, we'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield. Uh, we'll also hear from Luke. Hello? Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say Luke Leahy. I do apologise. No, no, we won't, we won't hear from him. Uh, that was on Ringing the Blues earlier in the week. <laughs> Lucky that wasn't rehearsed. Um, <laughs> also, we'll be uh, uh, bringing you a chat with Ashley Hart, who uh, used to be a right-back, uh, then switched, and is now in the middle of the field for Wickham Wanderers Women. They're playing Dartford on Sunday in the uh, last qualifying round of the Women's FA Cup. Uh, we'll be previewing that. Uh, we'll hear from Keith Scott as well. Uh, Phil's been chatting to him at Adams Park as we continue. Thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, looking at 30 years in the Football League. I've just realised I'm doing this backwards. That's how this has worked. Uh, we'll also... Um, where have we got to? Oh, yeah, Phil. Uh, we'll talk to him in a few moments' time. Because last week on the show, we didn't have any football to look forward to uh, in terms of uh, last weekend. But this weekend, yes, football returns after the international break. We had three players on international duty. Uh, congratulations to TJ, to Joe, and uh, also to Dale as well. We'll reflect on that with Phil in a few moments' time. We'll look ahead to the trip to Peterborough United on Saturday, which if you're not going to the game, because it's quite a way, uh, then uh, you can listen to uh, full match commentary on Wanderers TV and here on Wickham Sound as well. I think that's everything. Um, there might be other stuff that emerges as the uh, as the hour progresses as well. Uh, but first, uh, as we mentioned, uh, I'll chat with Phil. And if you did hear Ringing the Blues on Tuesday, or even if you didn't, uh, there was a <laughs> uh, we're going to tell you anyway. Uh, there was a fantastic chat with uh, both the manager and chairman, which uh, uh, Phil uh, was uh, hosting and uh, got a lot out of as well. Yeah, and as I said on the piece, it, it came from from Matt Bluefield and Rob themselves. They wanted to sort of say, look, you know. Um, It'd be interesting to see this relationship. It's a relationship that obviously goes on up and down the country between managers, head coaches and, and chairman and, and boards, etc. And it's a key relationship, isn't it, um, for every successful club and business uh, everywhere. Um, so it's really interesting to hear how that happens. And, um, and like I've always said, one of the biggest things I liked about Rob when I first met him was that he didn't pretend to know anything about football um, and still doesn't to a certain extent, although he, he certainly is getting his head around it. Um, but it's that wonderful sort of trust and, uh, and delegation uh, into, into Matt um, that, he's, that he's got. And, you know, and that's been really you know, evident to see in the last six months because there have been changes, of course, since the only manager that Rob had worked with in football um, when he left. Um, so it was interesting to kind of get the, the workings of how that all happened and then how that's settled down since. Because you get, don't you, a bit of a perception, I think, of, of chairman and owners, especially from abroad. But I think what, what's great with Rob is he's so sort of open and so, you know, kind of happy to chat with fans in the car park on a match day or, as you say, do things like, like this with yourself, even from America. Yeah, I think actually from, from my limited, very limited experience of dealing with American sport, it's kind of a very different approach to the media there. Um, I, I remember going to an NFL media day and it was essentially the entire squad and staff there um, and just sort of released into a room full of journalists and people could speak to whoever they wanted uh, for however long they wanted to, pretty much about what they wanted to. Um, very different approach here in the UK. Um, Gareth Southgate, I think before the Russian World Cup, sort of adopted that slightly and to try and sort of heal the rift that he felt was there between the England setup and the media. And at the time it was seen as, as very groundbreaking. Um, but I often find, you know, the, the American attitude to press is very different to here. Um, and it's certainly evident with Rob. Um, 
and you know before I worked at the club I worked for the BBC and and every time I interviewed Rob um it was very much of a case of nothing's off the table um I don't need you to send me questions which is something we would never do anyway but um a lot of people used to request that weirdly back in the day uh and and it was never really uh, a case of having to edit anything it was always you know hit record off we go um you can tell he's used to being in the courtroom because he's very intelligent with how he uh, he answers his questions they're well thought out um and you know this is off the hoof a lot of it he, like I say he wasn't expecting a lot of it and when I joined the club he, he asked one of the first questions I had to him was like well I have to change how we communicate and he said absolutely not why would you um so yeah I think it's a big difference between the two cultures and same with Pete as well he comes across obviously as, as, as more of a fan than, than many fans I think yeah um but that was one of the other observations I had that um you know when a lot of the big um, headlines where Wickham are moving from fan-owned trust ownership into, you know, a majority shareholder. But in terms of the culture of it, um, um, Pete is very much on the terrace, you know, and, and, and approached life very much as as your kind of archetypal fan. Um, so there wasn't really much of a of a of a difference, really, or or, or the, I suppose there was a noticeable difference in that Pete was always out and about, and it's very rare that Rob's in the boardroom as well. So it's it's kind of. You know, for people who live from the other side of the world, they are very visible when they are here. I know Pete does often say he tries to listen to the show as well, so a very big hello to you if you are listening. I really enjoyed your play- <laughs> playlist picks as well. His playlist picks were excellent. I learned so much. Well, he's got a musical background, and New Orleans is very much a city of music, so uh, that's one of the very early things that I bonded with Pete over. And your chat with uh, Rob and uh, Matt, of course, also featured the music of Lionel Richie, which Wickham fans will, uh, uh, will be reminiscing <laughs> about when he, when he played at Adams Park as well. Uh, well, Every piece of music that's ever used ever on on Ringing the Blues and subsequently, I guess, Wondrous TV is there for a reason. Uh, it may be an obvious one. It may be completely buried in a, a subtext, but uh, it adds... I know there is a, a few listeners of Ringing the Blues who, who just tend to spend time discussing what musical choices have been used and why, uh, and uh, and that's good to hear. Which brings us quite nicely onto Michael Jackson because uh, your chat with Luke as well, which is fantastic to hear about um, the the schedule of the players, and because and, I think of fans, you don't really appreciate, it, do you? You think they're either you know always training or always playing or, or something. Yeah, I think recovery is massive, isn't it? You know, certainly from a physical aspect, uh, you know, if you can't run people into the ground and and then to be absolutely knackered for match day, um, but there's a mental side of it as well. Um, and what was what I picked up on from Luke, very interesting was was that the chance to spend time with his family because the way he, he said it was that they go through what we go through in terms of, you know, the matches, uh, you know, the families are heading and kicking every ball uh, as well. Um, you know, Luke's got a young family, he's got, he's got uh, you know, so there's all of that to take into consideration as well is that, you know, okay, these, these guys aren't here at the training ground and, and doing the physical training of it, but they're certainly very much on that journey, on that mental journey that the players are and, and, and certainly a support network for the players when they're not here at Milo Road. I think what people can take from this chat is uh, do listen to this week's edition of Ringing the Blues. <laughs> yes, I mean the international break used to fill me with dread. Because like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Uh, but actually, we were able to sort of really sort of mine some areas where we can shed some light um, and hopefully provide some sort of valuable insight to fans. Uh, you know, obviously, some fans may not care. They just want to turn up on a Saturday at three o'clock and and watch the team and go home and, and put Strictly on, and that's absolutely fine. Other fans want to absolutely know everything there is to know about their football club, and that's fine too. So hopefully, we we hit the balance between those two things. And brilliant, you get to chat to Carl Simon as well with the the women having their their FA Cup uh, tie this weekend as well, looking to get to the first round proper. 
Yeah, it's always good to chat to Cole. Um, you know, he's doing a really good job there, isn't he, with uh, with Wickham Women. You can see, you know, the arc of improvement since he's since he's come on board, and and they found that 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 permanent home at Burnham and and training up to twice a week, and the way that he's changed the structure of the organisation a bit, and you know, really started to see things coming together on the pitch now this season, which is which is fantastic because as a whole, women's game game is growing. Um, it's great for the club to have all these people out there wearing um, the Wickham kit and, and competing in their different levels um, and hopefully going on to achieve great things this year and the FA Cup yeah, the FA really get behind it financially so to get through these even these preliminary rounds is quite a big boost um, uh, for for um, for the club for you know they're, they're wholly owned by the trust the women's team as well so the money that they would get if they were to beat Dartford um, would be uh, would be pretty significant as it was when they beat Ascot in, in the first uh, preliminary round and from a completely other weird point of view I noticed this week that when uh, under the new algorithm rules of Spotify um, when Carl Simon is on Ringing the Blues uh, it, the algorithm um, brings up Carly Simon so if we've got any Carly Simon fans listening to Ringing the Blues this week for the very first time then welcome <laughs> really can't recommend listening to Ring the Blues enough. I think most of this chat has been about that. Uh, later on in the show, we'll be chatting to uh, Asher and Wickham Wonders Women as well to uh, to preview that cup game a bit more. Uh, we should talk about actual football as well, not just promoting other other excellent Wickham Wonders uh, shows as well. Although happy to do that too. Uh, we could <laughs> spend the whole program talking about that. But also, really nice that you know the players are back training today uh, after the international break, and it feels almost quite historic, doesn't it? That that TJ and, and Jolo played against each other. Yeah, I think it's it's happened in the past in in amateur uh, internationals when uh, a long time ago and Wickham were were amateur. Um, but this is you know in, in this level of football, we think the first time that it's happened um, and brilliant. You know, TJ's well over thirty international appearances now for for Gibraltar, an established international. Uh, but for Joe Lowe to get the, the nod for the Wales first team, um, promoted up from the under twenty ones due to an injury um, it's, it's phenomenal for him it's a huge huge milestone and fantastic I mean I've never represented my country in anything um, so I can only imagine the pride he must have felt as as did his family um, so yeah brilliant and it was wonderful to watch the game uh, not only that it was in uh, in Welsh commentary the one I watched so it was good to, uh, to jump off my sofa when I heard the, the Wickham Wanderers mention uh, Sam Vokes got a couple of mentions in there as well um, so yeah so it was um, a really good experience to sit and watch that and let's not forget as well Dale Taylor albeit as a lone knee has has gone out and started two games for Northern Ireland as well. Brilliant stuff. Really, really good stuff for the club. Um and hopefully um they've come back injury free and uh and and also travel is a good is almost as good as the rest sometimes, gives you a different viewpoint. Um so hopefully we see the benefits of that on Saturday. Uh, when there is a game and we can talk about football rather than uh, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we've touched before on, on how well you know the new players have settled in, but but great, isn't it, that the likes of Joe and Dale and um, to, to promote something else, uh, knowing me, knowing Blues is back as well. And, and that features Freddie Potts, again, someone who's, who's doing so well for the club. Yeah, and again, we, we touched on it on, on the podcast about, you know, the, 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 the pitfalls of falling in love with loan players, but... You know, I think they're fully justified to fall in love with because they've fallen in love with Wickham Wanderers. You can tell by the way they play, by the way they train, by the way they represent the club in in all areas that you know these aren't just here, you know, on loan from a bigger club. Um, yes, it's contributing to hopefully a glittering career at a high level for them, um, but we should really embrace these players whilst they're here uh, and revel in the fact that we're playing a part in their journey, as we did with Ebrichieze, with Alfie Mawson in the past, um, you know, in the recent past. 
and I still take a, a sense of pride from watching um, uh, Eze on uh, on match today because I, I firmly believe that wouldn't be possible without what he had to do here at Wickham Wanderers. And I look forward to doing the same with Freddie Potts down here. No, absolutely, because it's also, I think, it's easy to, to forget or, or perhaps take for granted that the brilliant work that must go on behind the scenes from the manager and his backroom team and obviously the previous manager and his backroom team as well to, to bring them in because, you know, they are some, you know, some great names from, from top clubs and, and really exciting prospects. I mean, you know, they could easily, I've offered, offered my services many times to, to come in on loan, but it's not happened. <laughs> but, you know, they could bring in literally anyone, but, but some, of the, some of the really exciting prospects and, and some of those that you've mentioned as well. Yeah, we 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 heard a bit about that with Matt and, and Rob's chat in in the amount of work that that went in one behind the scenes, certainly with the gaffer as well. And let's not for, let's not forget, you know, that the likes of Harry Boys, uh, Kian Brecken, Freddie Potts, etc. These, these people are assets for their club. They're looking to develop them for themselves. So there's a huge element of trust um, coming from Man City, from West Ham, from Sheffield United, from Nottingham Forest. Um, for the for the you know for the players to come here and and what they experience and um and how they develop them as players and they're going to get much much better characters and players back um, from their experience here which is what they were, would have been hoping for but they'd have done their due diligence on Wickham Wanderers um, and Matt Bloomfield would have had to have jumped through several hoops and, and put a huge amount of graft into getting these deals across the line and it's great now to see them settled in and really contributing to what will hopefully be a successful season for Wickham. I think uh, jumping through hoops could be another great feature for uh, for perhaps bringing the Blues or even this show. We, we, could, we, could, we could work on that, couldn't we? Uh, we haven't got any budget to purchase hoops. So if people <laughs> want to send in some hoops for people to jump through, then we'll be happy to film it. <laughs> Looking at the league table going into the Peterborough trip on, on Saturday, it, you know, it doesn't look, I suppose, quite so good. It's sort of win, lose, win, lose, win, which, which looks like it's quite inconsistent form. But, you know, the, the players are playing really well and, and it feels like you know, we're going in a really good direction. Yeah, but, you know, you can... The stats and the runs can give you sort of false positions as well because you can be unbeaten for seven games and draw six of them when you'd be better off winning one after the, one after a defeat and, and interspersing it that way. Um, but yeah, look, I think momentum is there. I think the defeat at Pompey was a kick in the teeth at the time, but the performance was, was strong. Um, and on another day, Wickham don't lose that game. And, and to use a Matt Bloomfield mantra is, you know, you, you look after the performances and, and, the, and the results will take care of themselves. Um, and on another day, we'd, we'd, we'd come away from something from there. So in terms of momentum and performance, I think it's been really, really strong. Obviously, the, the, the first half of Fleetwood takes the headlines, um, and I'm sure the players are champing it a bit to get back out there. Peterborough have started really, really well. Um, it's going to be a really, it's always a tough game going there. Um, obviously, we had a good, a, a great start to the calendar year there, uh, winning 3 0 last season at, at London Road, but that will play its part as well in this game because. It, or it already has done because it saw off Grant McCann and reintroduced Darren Ferguson back to, to London Road and he's done a fantastic job since coming back um, so this is going to be a tough game um, against a team that um, that perhaps went under the radar during pre-season I think a lot of people saw um, some financial problems there some ownership issues uh, and perhaps computed that that may um, lead them to struggling this season they started really really well so I'm sure their fans are buoyant in fact I know they are I spoke to some this week um, they're very happy with how things are going and I think it's going to be a very tough game and you mentioned the Fleetwood game because that was obviously there's, there's been a run of um, away trips and, and we spoke to the manager recently as well which it really feels like you know away games are something which you know obviously they're different different to home games and how, how they're approached but you know there isn't, isn't a home game for a little while we haven't had one yet this month yeah I mean it's a struggle and just to, you know, self-indulgently bring this back to me. Um, you know, 
it's not just the players that have to travel, <laughs> it's the staff <laughs> and also the fans. The fans really are the ones that we should be talking about here because it's a huge commitment financially, uh, time-wise, etc. Um, and, you know, it's, it's tough. And the community aspects of football is largely built around the home games where you, you kind of build your friendships and meet people and stuff. The away days are the extensions of that for those that do travel. Um, but yeah, just um, you know the the impact on the local community when you don't have a home game for a long time is there to be seen as well. I guess as well though the players will be raring to to go after after the international break though. Yeah, like I said, that momentum from the final game before the international break at, at Fleetwood, I'm sure they would have wanted to be back out on the pitch the next day if possible. Um, but you know they've had to bide their time a bit. But equally, it's given time to to have a good old look at Peterborough. I'm sure that. The analyst staff have done that, and like they do for every single game, the exhaustive amount of work that goes on in that area. Um, so yeah, it'd be it's going to be fascinating to see how we approach this one. It's, I think, you know, coming looking at it from a division point of view, it's a fascinating tie. This um, and and to mention the dreaded PPG, we have played one game less than Peterborough. If, had we, you know, if we win that, then we are above them in the table, um, but only by one point. So this is, you know, two teams who will be looking at the top six. I think it's a real kind of um, good indicator for our season, this game coming up, uh, as is this week, because we've got Bolton on Tuesday, and then another tough trip to Oxford. We've made a fantastic start to the season. Another away game uh, the following Saturday at Oxford. So it's a big week in terms of seeing where we're actually at in the, in the, in the division, I think. Crosses out points per game. Question. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds Someone has to mention <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it does add a bit of extra edge to the game, but uh, really looking forward to it. If fans aren't going to Peterborough, don't forget they'll be able to hear uh, you telling us about it uh, live on Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to it. You know, it's uh, always good to go there. Um, not too far as well after the, the last one. And let's not forget the FA Cup draw as well, which is just uh, a little pop around the corner up to Bradford and back for the FA Cup first round. Brilliant speech. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers, Colin. Great chatting to Phil. Don't forget more away days to come as well. There's still a busy fixture list in October too. Uh, so uh, with half-term coming up, there'll be plenty of opportunity for uh, for you to follow Wickham Wanderers, uh, as I say, on Wanderers TV and here on Wickham Sound as well. It's the Wickham Wanderers show continuing in a few moments' time. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Part two of the Wickham Wanderer show still to come. We'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield looking ahead to the trip to Peterborough and giving us a bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes of what goes on at the club during an international break uh, and uh, how proud he is of the players who were on uh, said international break as well. We'll also hear from one of Wickham Wanderer's women's players looking ahead to the Women's FA Cup. Uh, they're against Dartford on Sunday looking to get into the first round proper wish them all the best from that uh, but first with big thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association uh, we continue our uh, feature on 30 years in the Football League and uh, speaking to some of the names who were involved around that time and Phil's been catching up uh, with Keith Scott One of the best nights of my life at supporting this club home to Runcorn 5-1 Exactly Yeah What a night that was It was incredible wasn't it Um Yes, um, 5-1. I managed to get the 1-0 down there. Gup scored a brilliant goal um, where he picked it up here, ran all the way and scored. But it was, because obviously it was also as well, it, it, I suppose it was, a re, it was a precursor to the trophy final. And of course, Ken McKenna was playing at run corn, so he, he, had, he had his altercations with the fans here, which goes back to 91 in the Altrincham game. But yeah, but look, it, it was... Well, that was that was it. We'd, we'd I think five games to go. That's it. We'd wrapped up the league by then, hadn't we? And it was uh, it was a bit. It was really weird actually because normally when you win a championship, certainly you know whenever you win a title, really, 
generally you want to celebrate afterwards, but it was a, it was a midweek, wasn't it? So it was sort of a bit of an anticlimax from a, a celebration perspective because we still had whatever two, three weeks of the season left. We still had a lot of games to play, maybe four or five games. We had an FA Trophy final. So although as players we were delighted that we'd effectively won the league, it wasn't a time for celebration because we still had work to do. But, it, but it, from a supporter's perspective and, and obviously from everybody connected with the club, directors, etc., then it must have been a great time for them. The title was lifted at home on the final day of the season. That's when we saw the trophy. Yeah. Wonderful moments, great photographs. Lost 1-0 to Macclesfield. We lost 1-0 to Macclesfield. Macclesfield, yeah. The opening day opponents finished the season here and won to stay up. Um, but the scenes after were, were wonderful. Yeah. yeah, they were. They were. And uh, in fairness, look, we'd, we'd won the title anyway. So um, we were... Um, I'll, tell you what was, I'll tell you what we were thinking about. We were thinking about our holiday, players' holiday. Because I'll tell you what was really interesting. Um, we had... I think we had 13, maybe 12, say we had 12 or 13 games left. And we had a home, home game here and, the, and the, the gaff came in and he said to Crease, and this was before Crease got injured, I think, he went, Crease, uh, go to the local travel agents, get some brochures. We're going to go away on holiday when we, when we win the league. And he said, but obviously, we, we, you know, don't, not, not, don't be too extravagant. He went, okay. And, and I remember Cree saying, oh, if, if you, is, that, is the club okay? That? And the guy said, don't worry about that. I'll sort that out. And, um, and of course, obviously, we won, the, we won the title. We did on the pitch bit, you know, which was fantastic. Got on the changing room. First thing Gaffer said was, Crease, let's get the holiday booked. You had the disappointment of the year before where, you know, we win the game here against Wynn Albion. Um, but we know, obviously, Colchester have ended up winning comfortably and we've done a goal difference. Um, you know, so you, you then fast forward effectively 12 months and you've gone from disappointment at home um, to actually, you know, being able to actually celebrate lifting a, lifting a title at home and, and being able to relax, enjoy your summer, knowing that when you come back you're going to be a football league club. So it, it, it must have been a great... You know, it was a great time to be a player, obviously, but it must have been fantastic for supporters and, of course, everybody connected with the club. I remember when I signed here in 91, you know, their focus was all about getting promotion to the Football League. So, you know, you look at, um, you know, the Graham Pierce, you know, the Brian Lees, God bless him, um, and, you know, the chairman and what have you, and, and, and all even the, you know, beer um, in terms of um, Virco people. Um, there was a lot of people behind the scenes who worked very hard that you visibly couldn't see to want to get this club into the Football League. So it must have been a great time for the supporters, but it must have been a great time for the people who run the club at the time as well. Attention really then turns to the yeah. FA Trophy and the home semi-final first leg. Yeah. A defeat against something. I know. I know. Um, they were missing you, right? They were, because I didn't play. Uh, Matty Crosley didn't play either. Uh, Matty was, um, I think Matty had food poisoning or something. And he, he didn't, you know, and then of course I did my ankle against um, Slough. So I didn't play for three weeks. And listen, we had a great physio, by the way, Dave Jones, who was ahead of his time. Jonah, who suggested to the gaffer about me going in an oxygen chamber, which literally is, is, they literally put you in you in like a, um, I suppose, a, a flight cockpit. You put the mask on and then it, it, it depressurizes, I think. So you're just breathing in natural oxygen. And, and I was in that for probably a week or two. 
prior to the second leg and uh, listen whether it works or not I don't know but I managed to play <laughs> but but we lost 3-2 here didn't we we didn't uh, we didn't play well but the second leg we was we was never going to lose that there seemed to be a bit of a spirit that the name was on the cup so we'd had a couple of sticky games yeah. early on in the tournament but got through I know sometimes people say your name's on the cup but I, I, um, but I think to win a cup competition you've got to have a little bit of luck along the way but like I say um, Morecambe away Heidi was top class he pulled off some fantastic saves um, here against Gateshead uh, which didn't play well but fortunately they didn't score goals and then Gups did a great bit of magic and, and won us the game and then of course here we lost 3-2 at home but going into the second leg you know Matty came back obviously I played but the whole atmosphere and the changing room before the game it was just we were, we were never going to lose it. and what was interesting for me is I remember coming out of the changing room as we came out to warm up and, and there was the Wickham fans who had sort of half of that ground and as we came out obviously they were cheering and I remember coming out and the certain players who were warming up stopped and watched us come out and we just knew then we thought yeah you're not going to win this football match and of course we beat four. Wembley yes obviously two years before been there done it got the t-shirt got the trophy yeah. got a goal yes um uh, what another wonderful day though for the club at Wembley yeah it was and, and weirdly enough when the first time he went Martin the gaffer I should call him Martin the gaffer said um, enjoy it because you don't know when it's going to happen again and, and I and, and I enjoyed the second one more than the first one because the first time you know, obviously it was the Twin Towers then it wasn't as it is now you know it's a magnificent stadium now but it, I think then it was iconic and then the first one in 91 as you come out all you saw was a little bit of blue and then as you got closer, it just went bigger and bigger and bigger. And they were the things that stuck out in 91. But the, the game sort of, the game was just, it was gone. Whereas in 93, when we went there, you could take it all in a, a little bit more. You know, we went to the went to Wembley again, but, but you took everything in. So it, it was a, it was a more enjoyable moment. Because I think in 91, Kidderminster were a good side. We wasn't sure if we, you know, it was quite an evenly balanced game. Um, in the sense of, you know, they could have won it, we could have won it. So we wasn't sure, conf- we were confident we could win, but we, we didn't we didn't think we, we, we would definitely win. It could have gone either way, unfortunately, if we won it, which is great. In 93, we was always going to win the final. There was Runco were not going to win it, because we were head and shoulders better than them. We beat them 5-1 here. We knew we would win the game. So I suppose in 93, you took it in a little bit more. And, and the moment was bet was 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 really good. It was great. At the time. But yeah, it was nice. And it is again, you know, to be to have the opportunity to play at Wembley twice in three years, where a lot of people don't get an opportunity in a lifetime. And if you think about it, we had Steve Guppy on one side, who went on to play for England. Dave Carroll, who should have had a a, fo- a career in football at a high, much higher level. But if you were a scout coming to watch him play, you'd look at him and think he can't play football. But he, he was a genius. But then you forget about it. You had Ty Gooden and Simon Hutchinson who couldn't get in the team. You know, and, and Ty Gooden went on to have a very, very good career in professional football. Then you go into midfield and, you, you know, we talk now about box-to-box midfielders. You had Steve Thompson. You had Simon Stapleton. You had Keith Ryan. These were box-to-box midfielders, you know, who enjoyed just running up and down the pitch, you know. And, and so we, and you know, then you go at the back, you had Cuzzo who, who you know, if you wanted somebody assassinated, assassinate them. 
um, Coe was a little bit more gentle, but Crease when he was around was there. Matty Crosley could do it. So, so we had everything. You know, we, we we had we had players who could play. We had athletes in the side. We had players who could fight and things of that nature. So, I think we I think for that area we was a very very complete team. Talk to me about Glenn Creaser because that was a talismanic goal, but he was a sort of a talismanic figure for the yeah, side. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but we lost him halfway yeah, through. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we. Um, he tried to take on a forklift truck at work and lost, didn't they? We just like, it was, it was, we laugh about it now, obviously, but listen, it was because he was, he was, um, look, he was a club captain, wasn't he? And, uh, you know, very experienced, um, old fashioned centre half, you know, big, strong lad, um, six foot four, good in the air, you know, he, he was literally, he, he was the gaffer's number two, basically. You know, he, you know, he was his enforcer in a nice way, and we did lose him. And um, I must admit, when we lost him, you know, certainly from my perspective, I'm thinking, you know, this could be, you know, this could be a, a point in the season where maybe you think, you know, is that where it all goes wrong? But it didn't. You know, we just cracked on. You know, the gaffer brought in various centre halves. Um, didn't quite find the right one, but obviously the ones he brought in did exceptionally well. Periodically, he moved Cuzzo in there. Matty Crosley played in there. So we, we just, yeah, I guess it's just like a machine, isn't it? You just keep going, don't you? You just keep going. And, and I think that's testament to the players the gaffer brought in. But I also think it's more testament to the players we had here. That's certainly across the back with Matty Crosley, Jason. You know, we had players who were very versatile. Rhino, you know, who could just go in there and, and perform. And it just never upset the balance of the team. But it was, it was a big loss. It was a big loss. After the game, the famous steps. It was yeah. Glenn Creaser that lifted the trophy. Where did that come from? Well, what it was before the game, because obviously Creaser was um, the gaffer. In fairness to the gaffer, he wanted him along the way with it all. He came with us to to the hotels, and Creaser was always going to go and lift the trophy. You know, there was Curry and and, and Cuzzo, who were the two captains, whilst he was obviously injured. But they decided amongst themselves that you know when we win the trophy he's going to go and lift it because he was the club captain you know and he very well respected for the players and obviously the gaffer and we wanted to keep him involved and uh, and, and yes and he went and lifted the trophy for us which was great brilliant scenes who was part of the season that year? I think it was me <laughs> I, th- I think it might have been the 29 goals I got I've got to say I never got 13 I think I hit the bar in the final double done journey complete mm-hmm. and then it's the big transition yeah from being a part-time footballer to then that summer, all of you as a squad and everybody, is that decision going to be a full-time footballer? Mm. To me as a kid, it sounds like an easy decision, but what was it like as a, as a, as a player? Because I'd come from a professional football club. When I signed my contract here, they kept, they kept me on my same contract in terms of money as what I was on at, at Lincoln. So I effectively was full-time. But obviously, if we hadn't gone up that year, then that would have changed. So from my point of view, the, the transition was, was, was quite easy. But look, it was, you know, if you, if you look at the players we had, obviously there were some players like Crease and all of that, the older ones. But if, but if you look at the majority of the squad, you know, um, we was all of that age, 23, 24, 25, where actually we wanted to be professional footballers. So I don't, I, I don't think there was a, a, a huge transition from that from, from that point of view because I think the club had all prepared for it. And we as players, that was our goal was to be full-time. So it was just a matter of the gaffer pulling us in the office and saying, uh, let's sign a contract, which he did, which was, which was nice. 
the day after Wembley, there was a parade in the town centre. The day after that, a press conference here, Martin O'Neill saying, no thanks to Forrest, yeah. I'm staying at Wickham. How big was that? For the football club to be successful, Martin O'Neill had to stay. The club needed him to stay, which they obviously did, but I also felt that the gaffer thought that he had more, that there was more to come from this group of players that could be achieved at this football club, and ultimately it wasn't. What was his secret? What was his style 30 years ago? Um, we, well, he, look, he was, he was a, I always thought he was a player's manager. Um, he under, he probably, <laughs> probably won't like me for saying this, he wasn't a great coach, and what I mean by that, he wasn't... John Gorman, I had John Gorman at Swindon. John Gorman on a football field was a fantastic coach. You know, would improve you technically that way. What I mean by the gaffer not being a great coach, he wasn't an on-the-field, that type of coach. But his understanding of the game and his, and his ability to talk to a player and make it simplistic was genius. And, look, and, and I, I say this jokingly, when he signed me here, I said to him, what do you want me to do? He said, all I want you to do is get the ball down, give it to them who play and get in the box. And all I did was, boom, that's all I did. And then, of course, I developed my game. I'd run channels and all. So, it, he, you know, he recognised what my strengths were. But the clear message was, I just want you to, as, as a striker, you in your first role, the most important thing as a striker is when it comes, you've got to look after it. Then the second thing you've got to do is you've got to give it to people. The third thing you've got to do is get in the box because ultimately as a striker, if you don't get in the box, you don't score goals, you're no use to everybody. So he was very good at, at, um, at, at giving people information that was important information. But also as well, what he was also very good at was if things happened in your game, you know, I know nowadays people do videos and they talk about but he was great at being able to talk to you about a game and say, right, in this game, this is what you did. Actually, this is what you could do, what you should do, what you might want to do. So he, he was great from that point of view. He treated everybody as an individual. You know, and although we were commodities, he didn't treat you as a commodity. He treated you as a person. He respected you as a person. You know, and, and if you had a problem, you could go and talk to him. He, 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 he was... He was a... F he was a great manager and he's proven to be a great manager with the success he's had but he was a great person he was he was he was a, a nice person he was a person you could approach and he and and as players i found personally that he was good he was good to me he was good for me um he improved my game he made me a better player but above all else he he he's a really good person as well and i, and I think i think that's what makes great managers they're not just have the ability to be successful but they have the ability to tap into individuals know what their strengths and weaknesses are know what they've got to say they've got and, and more importantly when to say it and they have the ability of getting the best out of every single player and that's what he has Scott this has been a real pleasure 30 years mm. but you're remembering little details here as if it was yesterday well yeah because you know like I say I, look I've had a I've had from a footballing point of view let, let's be brutally honest somebody I, I don't profess to be Gups was a great footballer David Carroll a great footballer I was an athlete I was good at what I did and I managed from my somebody of my ability to get to the top uh, which I never imagined so I had a great career but to be part of a squad that took a football 
being part of a football club on a journey that was a non-league football club to take them into a football league I think was a fantastic achievement and I'm proud of that for obvious reasons but I was I was just one one member of a big team and 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 this was the football club that ultimately was my springboard to my career so I, I've got a lot of fond memories here and and, and I really enjoyed it and it was, they were great times and uh, you know so yeah so it, it's something you know money can buy a lot of things Phil we can buy a lot of things but it it can't it can't buy what we achieved all the money and all the tea in China cannot buy what we achieved and can't buy those memories and it can't buy the memories that it gave the supporters as well and, you know so it, it was great to be part of it and uh, you know and obviously very proud to be to be a member of that bigger team Great to hear from Keith Scott uh, chatting to Phil uh, listen out in the future where you'll hear more uh, of that interview as well and on next week's show that was hard to say than I thought uh, we'll have next week's show uh, we'll have uh, another of uh, the players from th- are you yawning uh, players from 30 years ago I was about to go ooh okay I was, I was breathing in ready but because it'll be Halloween next week no one. no one. no one. No, I'm excited <clears throat> ooh like a ooh oh okay not a spooky not ooh, ooh. <laughs> next week on the Wicked Wonder Show more oohs mm-hmm. brought to you by Link uh, second part of the Wicked Wonder Show is now finished. Uh, the th- <laughs> didn't know where I was going with that. Uh, third part on the way next. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Tuesday evenings from 7. Hello, Phil here from Wickham Wanderers, host of Ringing the Blues, which you can listen to right here on Wickham Sound every Tuesday from 7 till 8. We'll have all the action from the game at the weekend plus a whole host of players and guests associated with the club, plus our weekly feature, Till Death Us Do Part, where Wickham fans remember their favourite memories. Only on Wickham Sound, 7 till 8. The Wickham Wanderers Show, Thursdays from 7. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield. Uh, but first, as part of our preview to the Wickham Wanderers women's uh, FA Cup tie, Wickham Wanderers women's women's FA Cup tie, uh, on Sunday against Dartford, been catching up with uh, Ashley Hart, who uh, can tell us a little more about her change in position after starting off as a right-back, but now occupying midfield. I kind of said, said to Carl when I joined, uh, originally, I mean, I put down my position as a centre-back, but said to him that I can play right-back if there's a job to be filled there. And um, a couple of weeks ago, he sort of approached me and said, have you, have you ever played holding midfield? I said, well, I have a lo- long time ago when I was a little bit younger and probably able to do a little bit more running, but I hadn't done it for a little while. So it's not something that is completely alien to me, but to be asked to go and fill in that position and, and do a job there was quite rewarding. It was something that I was willing to take on the challenge, really, and trust, trust what Carl is saying and what he wants me to do. So are you one of those sort of players who's just happy to contribute and are you happy playing anywhere or have you got particular favourite positions and, and, and why you'd like to, to, to assist in games? I mean, of course, it's ideal to be working or doing a job in your most comfortable position, but I'm very much a firm believer of if you if you get the opportunity to get on the pitch in any sort of position, I'd give my everything in that position and any opportunity I get, I'd want to make that position mine regardless of whether it's somewhere that I feel most comfortable with. I always want to do my best in that role. And if I can break through in that position, rather than a position that I thought I was more comfortable, then that's a win-win situation for me and for the team, realistically. 
And you've just been coming back from injury as well. How's that been? Has, has, has it been, I guess, a real mental challenge as well as physically wanting to get back? Yeah, it was a little bit strange because, I mean, a broken wrist isn't too difficult in terms of affecting your gameplay and stuff like that. But for me, it was, yeah, I was just starting to build up a little bit of confidence, build up a good run of games and, and sort of finding my feet. And then when I broke my wrist, I was, I was, I was quite gutted, to be fair, because I thought I'd be out for a hell of a lot longer. But I um, I managed to convince the doctors to put me into a, a splint after two weeks. And as soon as they splinted me up, I, I was replacing that with strapping and willing to get back on the pitch. So I think, yeah, it was really good to get back and I, I wouldn't have wanted it to be any longer. So what's been your sort of football journey, if you like? What, uh, have you been playing for a very long time or since a really early age? Or I can't remember the exact time I joined, but I, I want to say it was sort of under, under the age of 10. I, I used to play football at school. My brother was big into football. He did some uh, stuff at the Brentford Academy when he was younger. So I'd always spend my weekend down there watching my brother kicking a ball on the sideline, participating in the after-school football. And then I um, I started with a local girls team over in Ealing, where I used to live, Pitsanger SC, is where I originally started my journey. And then from there, I got into a few different teams. I was at Brentford when I was a lot younger. I played more recently at um, QPR after that. And then I went into the QPR women's before I then went on to Ashford, Actonians, and now at Wickham. So I've played in a few different clubs with sort of relatively big names and whatnot. But I'd say it probably started for me, yeah, kicking a ball around Pittsanger Park is really my first ever team. And how have you found the changes in, in sort of level and standard that, that you've played at? They're, they're always a little bit different, but I always just find whether I come in, if I can bring something to the game or try and sort of bring that extra level or intensity or something, I'm, I'm always willing to do that. So it is a bit of a different change, but for me, it's something that I'm, I'm always willing to sort of slot in and try and do my bit and see see how I can help the team. It feels like a really nice time to be at Wickham as well, and what's going on at that club too? Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad to be honest. They, they, they compare it to how they started last season and the squad depth that we've got. It's it's so much quality in it, and we're obviously on a really good run at the moment. We're six unbeaten, four wins on the bounce recently ahead of coming into Sunday's game. So, so it's looking really positive and it's a really good time to be a part of a club that is really good fun. People are really happy. We're getting the good results and, and it's just on the up at the moment, I think, for us. And really nice as well. We, we spoke to Maka last week as well and she's someone who's obviously only 18 and come up from the under-18s and it's really great that there is a pathway and, and players such as yourself who've you know had the experience at, at different levels and at other clubs and, and can really pass that on to the youngsters too. Yeah, no, 100%. I think sort of having that extra experience and, and the ability to sort of deal with the pressure of sort of important games, particularly ahead of Sunday's FA Cup game, it is just sort of offering that extra experience to the younger ones who have got some really good quality and some of the other under-18s that have been training with us in training and I think a couple of the other girls had call-ups last Sunday for the um, County Cup game. It's really, really good to see them coming through and they're such good players like to play against as well. It's just that little sort of fine tweaking stuff into women's football that they'll get there. Um, it's, it's really good to see, to be honest. It's a really good club with the pathways that are coming through and the sort of training together that we do every Tuesday, every Thursday, the three teams are there. And it does allow that flexibility across and allows Carl to see everyone in the Wickham Wanderers women section as opposed to just the first team. And is there extra motivation this week to, to be able to get further in the competition than last season? Yeah, of course there is. I mean, I only ever want to play to win. So it's a real big game for everyone. And, and for me, it's something that hopefully we can we can try and get the win and kickstart a bit more of a journey in terms of our success this season and, 
and what we're trying to achieve across the board, not just in the FA Cup, but sort of in the league and try and put that towards our County Cup challenge as well that we've got in the next coming weeks. What we're saying, every time we've got a league game, we're focusing on getting those three points, as many as we can on the board. But the Cup games are also really rewarding to get the wins out and, and to keep being able to push in terms of the competition and against those different teams that we're not necessarily playing against in our league. It's, it's really good to be able to push and get the wins against them as well. And have you noticed the development in, in the team as a whole, but also in, in your own game as well? Yeah, it's interesting, to be fair. I, I mean, last season I was off the back of not, not really getting so many minutes just because of my availability and whatnot. So it's, it's really good to see sort of the progression in myself and I'm always striving to be better and better. But also collectively that impacts the entire team. And I think every week we're stepping it up a level. I say to everyone every week, my, my whole thing is we bring the game to them. And I'm a firm believer if we bring the tempo and we bring the game to another team, that always puts us out on top and that always serves us in good stead to sort of get that win after 90 minutes. So what would you say are the main strengths of the team? I mean, I think over the last coming weeks, we're really showing the ability to have fun while we're playing football. And when you're having fun, that extra little bit of desire comes out and people are wanting to win. We're wanting to fight for each other. The togetherness is all, is all gelling and everyone's playing a part in that, whether you're coming on from the bench or you're starting, everyone is starting to understand that we're a team and everything that we do doesn't just affect us individually, it affects the team. So I think that whole togetherness is really coming through and, and that level of desire is, is continually on the up. And what would you say would be a successful season for both yourself and, and the team? I think for me it's more about just continually sort of staying fit, doing the best I can to work hard for whether it's 90 minutes on the pitch or less, doing absolutely the best I can to do that, focusing on sort of how I can affect play in that new position and trying to be a bit more of a playmaker in terms of pulling strings going forward but also remembering the responsibilities with the back line as well so for me it's just sort of getting that balance and continuing to strive to be better and better in that position I think for the team like we said it before we're looking to challenge in the league we want to be up there we want to try and do our very best to sort of look for promotion whether it's this season next season whenever that may be always winning cups is always a good thing how far can we get in the FA Cup can we challenge in that county cup I mean, they managed to win a cup last season, so can we do that same again and get some success somewhere across the board in terms of trophies? Well, we will obviously wish you all the best for, for Sunday and the rest of the season. Look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Cheers, Colin. Appreciate it. Great chatting to uh, Ashley and obviously wish all the team uh, all the success for the Women's FA Cup on Sunday. We haven't had a big uh, hello to anyone for a while. Should we do a big hello? I think we should. Uh, let me bring you up to date with uh, some news from the Wicked Wanderers Facebook um, page, fan group, the fan page. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a post on there uh, saying, well done to the media team because there was no game. You know, nice bit of appreciation. Absolutely. Well done. Uh, Morgan then said, uh, let's not forget about Conan and Luke from Wickham Sound. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, good big e- hello to Morgan. Big hello to Morgan. But an even bigger hello to David, uh, who said, so corny, they are best forgotten. Aww. So good evening, David. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Hope your Thursday's going well. We'll try our best to be less corny yeah. in future shows. Uh, now, though, let's catch up with uh, manager Matt Bloomfield, who spoke to uh, Phil earlier on this afternoon. We had an opportunity to try and refresh a little bit. I think the, um, the schedule has been very intense and will be again in the next coming weeks. Um, so it's important to try and strike that balance between um, giving the boys a couple of days to, to get their legs back a little bit. They've been working extremely hard in the last international break. We, we really kind of went for it a little bit. So we felt like this was the right time after the Stevenage game just to, to have a couple of days to, to freshen their minds a little bit. 
uh, and then we've been working hard again this week, so um, we're hoping to hit the ground running again on Saturday. You've said refresh the minds, but it's, it's physical rest of the body, which is hugely important, I guess, over a long season, but also the mental side of it too. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, um, I, I, w- I would suggest we're fairly intense in the way we work um, as staff and, and with the lads in terms of meetings and, and out on the training pitch. We've been trying to implement um, a lot since pre-season, so um, the opportunity just to, to freshen up their minds slightly, I think, and their, and their bodies. Um, they've been putting a lot into it. The lads have been, you know, their work ethic has been top since the first day we came back in pre-season. You know, if you think that some of the boys miss pre-seasons, they've gone and had a real spike in their physical output. Just the opportunity to to let them get their legs back for a couple of days was was one we needed to take. Um, so we've done that and then got back at it this week. Uh, Luke Lee, he said on Ringing the Blues this week as well, a chance to, to spend time with the family during the season. He says because a lot of families, they head and kick every ball as well. Yeah, they really they live it with us, don't they? We, we all know that after a lifetime in football, you know, your family, those ones around you, the loved ones, they really live it with you. Um, they really head and kick every ball. They, they're there for you in the in the good moments and the, and the bad and, you know, a ruined weekend with a bad result and all the rest of it, how it goes. But So it's been nice to um, nice to spend a little bit of time with them. Um, I think you have to keep everything into perspective and understand that, you know, what we do, we, the reason we do it is for them anyway. So to have a couple of days with them has been, been nice, but we've certainly not been um, taking too much time off. I'm not really the type that likes to have too many days off. So we've been trying to get that balance right. But, um, yeah, we've been training hard this week and, and ready to go. Big week for the club internationally, away from the, the domestic setup. Having two of our own players up against each other in international was a first for the club at this level. How did that make you feel as manager? Really proud, actually. I watched the game. Um, I found it online, so I was able to watch watch the game. I'm really proud to watch Joe and TJ up against each other. I thought it was um, a big moment for us as a football club. Um, and I thought um, for their respective countries, they played, played really well. Uh, obviously, we had Dale as well, making his first two international starts. Um, so yeah, it's really you know really proud to watch on from afar, you know keeping contact with the boys when they're away through WhatsApp or you know your phone call, but try and let them um, really throw themselves into their international football. So yeah, really proud to watch you know especially TJ and, and Joe playing against each other, which is a first for our club and for Dalo as well, first two international starts. Um, are something we need to celebrate and be proud of our boys who are going away and performing for their country. Um, and good thing is they've all come back fit and firing and, and ready to go. Is it a bit like letting someone the keys to your car? You think, it's great they want to borrow it, but I hope they don't come back scratched or anything. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> I don't really lend out my car too much. but uh, <laughs> No, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things. It, it's, it's obviously twofold, isn't it? Like On one hand, you're extremely pleased and proud with them going and performing, and you want them to go and, and grab it for what they can. But on the flip side, um, as a club manager, you just want them to come back in good health and, and ready to go for the game. So we're pleased they have, um, and so we're, we hope there's plenty more for, for all of them to come. There's three massive games coming up. We'll start with Peterborough. The table's kind of got its shape now and we've got an idea of where everybody's at. This is a game against the top six rival. Yeah, um, I think that Darren's done an incredible job there. Someone who I'm thinking extremely highly of, actually. I've had quite a lot of interaction with him over the last couple of years. He he uh, was a good uh, sounding board when I first went to Colchester and you know I reached out to him this week. I'm really sorry for the loss that him and his family have, have suffered this week, which is... Um, been a tough one for, for him and his family but um, he's done a great job at Peterborough we know they've got some really good players um, they obviously got so close last season um, with their agonising semi-final loss so um, they've retained the majority of that group and, and they've come back um, fighting so um, extremely tough game for us on Saturday um, but we have to as I you know, keep repeating myself over the course of the season we, we believe in what we're building here um, 
we know we've had a, a few decent performances recently. And for me and for us, it's about trying to tag another performance on the back of it. If we can do that, then we want to go to Peterborough and um, see if we can give them a good game. You touched a bit on this when we had our chat with, with you and, and Rob together, but that connection with other managers and, and that network, from the outside looking in, it seems to be sort of competitive. Everyone's trying to get the most competitive advantage, but there does seem to be this network of support as well. Yeah, most, most definitely. There is, you know, I've got a, a smaller network um, than maybe most in terms of people who have been in the game a long time, but I do believe um, I'm extremely lucky to have the, the knowledge that I can lean on. Um, people who I've met on courses or friends, you know, obviously Russell and, and, and Gaz, um, and then Michael Duff, who I met on the course, Darren Ferguson, when I was at Colchester, leaned on him a bit as well. So, um, yeah, it's a small world, um, and I think that the nice thing about it is other managers know what you're living, they know what you're going through on a daily basis and on a, on a Saturday afternoon. So to have that support there is is, is really valuable, especially for um, young managers coming coming into the game. Um, but on a Saturday afternoon, it, it resorts to type and everyone's desperate to win and, and you do what you need to do to try and win the game. And away from the league, I know this is a, this is a long way away in terms of games, but an FA Cup draw, back on the coach for another long away day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and we've got that to look forward to as well. Obviously, you know, I love the FA Cup. I think it's incredible. We're, we're really pleased to have qualified for the EFL Trophy, so we've got a second round of that to look forward to you know, in December. So um, we've got the final group round of that. We've got loads of games coming up. It's going to be a busy schedule. We have to keep everyone as, as fresh as we can and keep the, the com- competition uh, for places high, which at the moment is, is really good. There's plenty of food for thought in terms of team selection. Um, you know, we obviously saw... Carlisle at home and then Portsmouth away there's some really good performances and then and we freshened up at Fleetwood and there's some good performances again so it gives you know uh, the old uh, cliche managers got headaches and but it's good that having that competition is really really important for us here so um, the boys are in a good spot and we have to make sure we translate that onto the pitch on Saturday. And finally uh, after the break the, the, the injury list we knew what it was before going into that how's that progressing? Starting to ease slightly. Um, starting to ease slightly. We're hoping to to welcome a couple of those boys back in the very near future. Probably not for Saturday afternoon. Wills is really close, you know, and a couple of the others are working their way back, not too far away. So, you know, I think we've spoken about um, spoken about that injuries that we've been unfortunate to, to suffer. A lot of them were impact injuries, but you know, it's part of the game, and we have to make sure. You know, one of the things going out of the transfer window in August was that. You know, it's a long few months till January. We had to be as strong as we possibly can. So, um, yeah, we, we're, we're pleased where we're at. Um, hopefully, one or two injuries will be back soon to, to help complement the squad. And, and in the meantime, we'll try and keep these boys as fit and fresh as we can. Great to hear from the manager chatting to Phil. You can hear a uh, full extended version of that on Pretty Much Drills, which is available uh, now, <laughs> I think, possibly. Yeah. Soon, any minute, <laughs> moments away. Momentarily. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, you can also uh, Know Me Knowing Blues is back oh, yes. tomorrow with Freddie Potts the West Ham superstar Loney and there's can a we con- keep continental version as well I believe uh, there is coming soon keep an eye on oh, no, have a look on Wicked Wanderers Twitter for more details on that very exciting it's all very exciting pretty much Jules is good this week as well check it out when mm. the Blues was good we mentioned that earlier in that the was, show yeah that was good there's lots of exciting content make sure you don't miss next week's show either uh, come on you please <laughs>